0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet. It's time
1: to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Chip Frederick, will talk Vanderbilt baseball. Chip appears on the guest line that's presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at number 615-846-6200, see what your rights are and if they can help. Now, onto our interview with Chip. Chip Frederick joins us um, mm-hmm. back from the dead, or at least dead to the podcast last week as I got busy and forgot to call him. Chip, how are you doing, my man?
0: Everything's going all right, Chris. Hope uh, things are great with you. Um, you know, uh, Vanderbilt baseball is cruising along since we last talked, and 17 wins in a row is not bad. Nothing to, uh, not too shabby. Uh, I do think that um, you know you you see it in the postgame press conferences. You see the the, the attitude that uh, Corbin has in his press conferences that there's still a, a measured part of the success that you want to have because you really don't know. I think this he knows his team's pretty good. I think he knows he's got some uh, a, a very good pitching staff, very young throwers on there that are probably, uh, you know, way light years ahead of wherever they thought they were. They were great prospects. So he's got to be pleased at that. But when you look back on the Hawaii's and the Wagner's and, and you open up with Missouri, a team that is much better than they've been on paper, and I think talent-wise, I don't know how many games they're going to win this year, but I think they're better. You still got to wonder heading into Columbia this weekend: is this going to be the first true test? Even though they got the Gamecocks got slept, swept last weekend, is when is Vanderbilt going to be hit in the mouth like they were against Oklahoma State, and are they going to be able to respond? But it, you'd rather have these victories total up these guys are getting experience uh they're getting to play in the sec games they're building up some confidence but you just wonder uh, when is that going to happen when's that moment going to happen like the oklahoma state when they they play a peer team that's as talented as they are that has the arms that oklahoma state did and the players in the field and and uh what how's this team going to react the way they've been playing lately you would think that's got to be a positive thing but Right now you, you look at the stats and 18-2 at this point is not bad. They're breaking every time they win a game, they're breaking records for most consecutive wins in this era. So, a lot of good things to talk about. Yeah, I think
1: for the record, 20 is, is the most. The 07 team won that, but still we're we're getting to that point where it's it's crazy. And you know, you can I haven't asked him off the record how he feels about his team, but you can just tell. I've been around him enough. And I thought that Oklahoma State series was telling because he was not, he didn't sense any frustration in his postgame thing. There have been a couple of times that I came to a postgame after they didn't play their best and thinking he might be a little bit on edge and, and he just wasn't. And I asked him a question yesterday, yesterday being Tuesday, this one air till Thursday. So it'll be two days ago as most people hear this. About his team, because lately they've had these runs and games where there's maybe a defensive gap early or just a bunch of balls, find holes in a row and a couple of runs go against them and they're hitting rockets and they are been caught. Just been that way for three or four games in a row, it seems like, where they've had the starts kind of like that. And I asked him about that. I said, what's the key to just getting over that? He said, it's maturity. And I should have followed up with a question about leadership. I didn't really want to keep them too long on Tuesday because they were headed back to campus and, and all that, and I was trying to be sensitive to that. But um, I, I thought that was an interesting way to, to answer the question. And you can just tell his demeanor game that he thinks he's got a, a really good team, and, and I think he's right. We'll see when the games get tougher, but – I've seen a lot of college baseball, and you get a sense for when a team is uh, in that elite territory. And it just seems like that's what they've got to me.
0: Yeah, and, and I remember the two of us when we talked um, on that Sunday, the Oklahoma State series. I, I know I texted you, and uh, after that didn't you know turn out the way they wanted to with the, when they lost seven to five on on Game Three. Like in that press conference you know, which you and I, we, we, we know how it can be. It could be any coach, but especially with over through the years, you know, Tim's a guy who, who who doesn't like to lose and, and, and that's a great trade. I mean, he takes it and he's, he's takes it personally sometimes that he could have done something, you know, in his training that was better or whatever. And and I remember your text back was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. And so I I kind of knew from that and talking to you, someone who more than anybody who follows Vanderbilt baseball can read him and that was a very telling sign to me that well you know maybe you're onto something that he he a knew how good Oklahoma state was but b also knew that his team's very talented and and has gonna gonna have a chance when it's all said and done to to be back where they where they've been several times in the last 5 6 years so Uh, Yeah, I mean, the maturity part of it and and the leadership, you know, there are roles that guys take through the training they do in the fall and then the early part of the year, and and they kind of let those sift out, and the leaders come to the forefront. I think Tate Colwick is a guy who has taken that role, it appears, just from body language and how the guys respond to him. But this team, like the other teams that have been successful, looks like they're having a lot of fun looks like there's a lot of camaraderie looks like there's a lot of togetherness you see how they act in the dugout together out on the field and and in between innings and when when a guy gets a big hit and those are things that as a coach you don't want to really react and 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 make those things happen you want to make them happen on their own you don't want to have false leadership and forced leadership that you say you know call a guy and go hey you need to be the guy to carry this team. You need to be the leader because that the players can see right through that. So when you got a guy also, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt like a a Carter Holton who just, I mean, the, the kid's super talented, but I don't think anybody would have thought that he would have just jumped into this role that he's done on Saturday. Like he has and, and leading the conference at the top of the conference and strikeouts and how his command is and how his, rhythm is in the game, how games seem to go super fast uh, when he's pitching. All these things are just beyond my thoughts of what I thought he was going to be. I heard a lot of great things about him. But when you have the mixture of guys like colwick and and your older guys who are the, the seniors that Corbin seems to really uh, take a apart as far as uh, when he, when he identifies those guys who've hung around for that that fourth year. Uh, in some instances, maybe a fifth year if a guy was injured, those guys kind of evolve and become those leaders, and then you got the young guys who are mature beyond their years. If you got that mixture, you can do a whole lot in 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 the month of June.
1: Yeah, this has just got that feel, kind of of the 2019 team in that way where. Like, they've got their guys like the Bladets and the Ethan Pauls that you that you know are probably team leaders. And I think that Colwick, obviously, is one. I, I think that Keegan is one, maybe Carter Young, too. Uh, Bradfield's a guy he's loved from the moment he's stepped on campus. Now they get to the point where these kids have played a lot of baseball, which wasn't the case last year. They know the drill. They know his expectations. And they just seem to have kind of settled in this groove – for lack of a better word. no, that's going to get upset at some point this season because it always does. Even the 19 team, what they lost a series at Georgia, and maybe there was one other one in there. I don't remember for sure. That's going to happen. There's going to be a point where they lose three or four, something like that, and, and gloom and doom will come because kind of that's what Vanderbilt fans do. Um, the bar is so high for these guys, but I, I just feel like, you get to feel like you know what you're watching.
0: Yeah, and then and I and I'd be remiss if I didn't add also to that mix. I got a kid like Davis Diaz who just yeah. slides into the lineup like he's done along on the pitching side with Holton, and you've got Vaz who just kind of comes out of nowhere at the end of last year and slides into that left field spot. And he's an older guy, and he's played JUCO, and he's he's a, he's a kid who's played a lot of baseball games, maybe not a lot of SEC baseball games. But he's played a lot of baseball games literally at this level against great talent. So, all those things, a more mature Bradfield, as far as, you know, just he was so raw last year and, and a, a very good raw. So, yeah, there's there's some things in, in the, and I tend to, I, 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 you know, Kyle Peterson in his broadcast, who I've talked about through this broad podcast the last couple of years, I really respect him a lot. Um, I think he has a unique perspective of college baseball. He loves it. Uh, When he speaks, I think uh, a lot of the people, especially in the SEC, he pays a whole lot of attention to it. And he's just taking the words out of my mouth. And I tend to – when he was here several weeks ago with a Michigan game, he talked about how, you know, there's first base and catcher. Is Vanderbilt going to be able to catch it as much as – as well as they have in years past? And I even remember I said the same thing before that broadcast. I'm not saying I beat him to the punch, but I think it's pretty obvious. And then the position at first base, the, is, is there going to be a winner of that in the next couple weeks that is a consistent, that's going to go out there day in and day out. Other than that, it seems like they've settled into the lineup and the pitching. He, I think he mentioned in the broadcast in the mission game, that number three spot uh, is when is someone going to st- step up and take that on a permanent basis. But those three things, I would add a fourth to it, um, and you might have some comments about this. It kind of revolves back to the catching part, but my, um, and I wrote this down, is Jack Bolger going to be able to hit well enough to be in the lineup when he's not catching? Because right now he has been, and you saw what he did yesterday. The kid has a tremendous amount of talent, and it's just been frustrated. I think Tim talked about it. He's... He's had a frustrating uh, year at bat, and things haven't been falling for him. He gets the home run yesterday, at uh, I almost said Greer. Uh, if you're from Nashville, you just call it Greer. I mean, it's you know, it's it's first Tennessee park. But I did Bulls, that
1: yesterday too.
0: <laughs> just you know, but uh, you know, is Bulger going to be able to hit in the DH role when he's not alternating at, catch, at catcher? And that's important uh, because he's got the talent, and he's got the punch and the pop in his bat. But I would say, and I don't I ask your comment about that. Maybe you you think differently, but I think that's a question mark. How long are they going to be able to go with him in there if he if yesterday was an aberration and he and he or not? But uh, I think that's something that uh, is to be discussed and whether he can continue to do that.
1: Yeah, I've been wondering about that myself. I wondered if he was maybe hurt because he's not hitting the ball with much authority. Um. My understanding is he's just pressing, and maybe yeah. maybe yesterday is what got him over.
0: Yeah, and 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 uh, we hope so because he's he's got the skills, and and uh, you know I think he and Keegan catch a little differently uh, their approach, and you don't know if they're going to settle into a, a a rotation as far as how they do it, and they're catching certain pitchers. Uh, I know that happened a couple years ago. Who was it that caught? I forgot what the rotation it was, but it was somebody who always caught a, a pitcher, a top line pitcher, and, and my mind's running a blank. But was
1: this the Delay Ellison era, or are we talking about something since?
0: I'm I'm not sure. It was just I know it was within the last five years. Um, and you know, a lot of a lot of teams will go with the same guy, you know, all three games. But that's a lot of wear and tear in this league when you're going 27 innings. And 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 over a weekend, a three game series. So Bulger's going to have to they've shown enough faith in him that he's he's going to be, you know, at least one of the three games back there. Yeah. uh, And, you know, we we talked about a few weeks ago, our team's going to be able to run on them, the speedy teams in the conference, or or are they going to be able to throw guys out? And we haven't really seen enough sample there just with Missouri coming in. I think we'll get a little better indication this weekend.
1: Well, Missouri runs a ton. Uh, The problem was they just didn't let enough guys on base. I mean, the pitching was terrific all weekend. And and that's, as you said, that's a better Missouri team. I don't know. I mean, defense has been the big thing where they just keep having these little hiccups. But they're they're all fixable. Um, And and even the throwing, there have been times where I felt like you see – respectable results there. So I don't think it's a when, you, when you're a team where everything is there and you got so much talent and there's not a lot of glaring weaknesses, that's where you shine the the spotlight. And I think that's where everybody's looking. And I'm not saying it may, maybe it'll end up being a huge concern, but but I'm probably less concerned about it than I was coming in. I mean, I'll, I'll pull up the stat sheet, but it's not like teams have just run wild on them a, a month into the season.
0: Yeah, seventeen and twenty-three. Um, yeah, that's that's on the on the base. Totally so, fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but uh, again, once once the teams you start playing the Tennessees and the you, you get down further the schedule and and uh, that that will we'll see how that goes. But um, I, I think that um, overall this league one weekend there there's not you know you you got a South Carolina team that's we're playing this weekend who. Um, at ten and ten, you, you you sit there and you say, well, you know, look at the schedule and who they played. And I mean, South Carolina traditionally, over the last couple of years they haven't been the same South Carolina that had to run in Omaha, but they do have a two out of three uh, beating Texas at the time, the number one team in the country. So that they they have the confidence and they have the wherewithal to say, you know, we can do that. You know, we can we can play with the top level teams. But they run into uh, a, just a, a UT team in Knoxville uh, over the weekend, and they lose 8-3, 5-2, and 10 nothing on Sunday. So they're going to come in, and then they lose the Citadel last night. Yeah. Which, you know, that, that doesn't sit well. Uh, so this team, it could go either way for them. And, I, and I'm saying that um, – I'm not saying that their season's lost and, and, and um, you know, there's uh, – you know, all things are lost for the Gamecocks because they've lost four in a row, but because they can turn it around real quick, but having that, uh, that stuff can add to the pressure that's going on in Columbia of not kind of doing the things that they, that fan base is used to. And, um, it's going to be real test for them, especially with, you know, uh, a Vanderbilt team that's won that many games in a row.
1: Yeah. I was thinking that too. It's, a situation where the pressure starts to melt. I don't know that the, the fan base is thrilled with Mark Kingston. I'm not on top of that enough to know, but I think when the bar was set where it was a decade ago, nobody's lived up to that since. And I just wonder, is Vanderbilt going to be the looser team coming into that series? Or is, is the pressure of expectations going to start to get to Vanderbilt at some point? It's going to be really interesting to see uh, just the middle game when those two teams match up.
0: Yeah, and you, and you look and see how this league – I mean, and I don't know how they do it, if it's a draw out of the hat as far as the rotation of who you play first. But, I mean, if you draw, you know, a, a Tennessee or an Ole Miss, you've got to go to Oxford the first weekend of the season. You know, it, th- those things can be daunting tasks. Number one, you you can look at it one way, you get it out of the way – or, or you look at it as this is going to be a real t- a test for our club to to go down there and play in that environment. I mean, I, I think we'll find out a whole lot about UT this weekend, and they're going to Oxford. It's going to be pretty weather. They're back from spring break, meaning Ole Misses. There won't be a seat in the house, and that'll be a true test. So, you know, do you open up once again. We talked about the, at the top of the podcast. You you get the benefit of opening up with the Missouri, who tested you on Sunday, you were not tested the first two games, and I was almost glad to see the Sunday game being closer, where this team had to take a punch, and the, and they punched back and, and responded. Um, but this league is unforgiving, and you start looking down the 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 rest of the games and who you follow up with, there's really no breaks, and anybody can beat anybody, and I think Tim said that in the press conference. I mean, this Missouri team will scare some people, and they, they've got the Recruiting is in this class that he had this past year was much much better than it's been in the past. So it's um, a lot to be seen, and and this it still are. I mean, think about Mississippi State. I mean, you know that that team has uh, been an enigma since day one when they lost early um, in some non conference games, and they're they're falling out of the top twenty five. And as much as they're happy with what they've done, winning the national title and those things. Those folks are rabid, and they, they'll forget that real fast um, if if they don't turn it around down there. So a lot going on in the SEC, but it's, it's still early.
1: This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. I think the top four teams in this league, in some order, are Vandy, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. Um, You know, and I'm looking at it, I don't think that Vanderbilt plays a top half of this team, top half of this league team on the road until Arkansas, which will be the final series, final road series of the year. Auburn could get in that conversation. I don't know what to think of Auburn right now, but the schedule is really lined up favorably for Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, and especially like you said, who who the uh, the home away uh, definitely favors the Commodores. Um, But looking down there, I mean, no team. Well, three teams got swept: Missouri, Kentucky, and South Carolina. And uh, you know, you've got Vanderbilt, Tennessee swept, Arkansas swept. So three teams, of course, swept, and three got swept. So there'll be some movement here, and in the in, uh you know LSU's still lurking back there at 15 and five and one and two the conference. So they're, and, and you you still you know Texas A&M uh, took care of them, took two out of three. So this is uh, you, you look at the D1 baseball rankings, and the top five are SEC or soon to be SEC, all of them if you include Texas, Ole Miss, Texas, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Tennessee in that order. You got Florida at eighth. Uh, and then you get it, it. There's a little gap there between another SEC team, Georgia, um, at 17, LSU 21. So still a lot of um, still in that top five. If you include Texas for future purposes, uh, pretty uh, pretty uh, heavy dominance of the SEC.
1: Well, I want. I want to see these teams play real teams, which is coming when they play each other. Uh, in fact, I didn't. I didn't think the first weekend slate was great. I thought there was some mismatches in there. We're like, I'll give an example. I think that Kentucky Arkansas could have been a lot more interesting if that was in Kentucky, but it wasn't. Right. Um, so I, I just feel like we're five weeks into this and we don't know. Well, we know we know more than we did, but um, you, you kind of have to withhold judgment till the games are more competitive. But one thing that. Looks to be the case right now. I think that it seems to me like Vanderbilt and Tennessee are a lap ahead of the rest of the teams in this league when it comes to pitching. Arkansas might be the team out there, surprisingly, having lost Peyton Paulette uh, that, that might be in competition for that third spot. Um, you know, Georgia's has not been what I thought it would be. Uh, Florida has got a case, but Florida's. Florida got some really good arms at the top but the depth is an issue but statistically speaking Vanderbilt and, and Tennessee are just way out in front in terms of of the pitching so far.
0: Right. And and what was surprising to me about the Georgia it, 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 as Georgia winning 2 out of 3 like they did but you know Georgia gave up a lot of runs in their wins. Gave up and 20
1: then, yeah, in the loss and, too. Right,
0: in the loss but the, but some of the those games were inflated so you wonder what's going on there on on the pitching side, a lot of offense, and and you know on UT side, UT's just super confident. I mean, they've they've they sort of just picked right up where they left off. The the confidence, the swagger, they got the you know the small park, the angles out there in the outfield where the ball just seems to launch uh, out of there, and they're they're playing to that advantage, and uh, so there there's a lot of confidence going on on there. So I agree with your assessment at the top. uh, I couldn't change any of that order. And like you said, no particular order. That'll all figure out themselves. And there might be a surprise team come in uh, and break into that pack.
1: Who do you think gets the ball on Sunday?
0: I I could see them going back to what they did last weekend. I really do. I I, I think that was something that um, I've tossed around the idea of Patrell – you know, getting, getting a chance, but you and I talked about that off, off air. Um, Tim is a, is a creature of habit. He likes building the confidence of the young guys in midweek. And Devin is, uh, um, has, has established himself in that role, started again yesterday. He's got three wins under his belt. Um, I think they like him in that role. So, you know, you and I talked, I, I even mentioned that to him and I've got former players who I talked to that were like, well, is he going to, is there a chance we could have two out of three starters being freshmen in the rotation? And, and I kind of just said, no, I, I don't think that's going to be the case right now. I think he likes Holton in the Saturday spot. But if you look back on, you know, you know Hunter, uh, Owen got the start on Sunday, right? That was, that's who got the his Correct, and, day, and he,
1: if you didn't see it, he performed better than the box score showed.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, and I watched that. Um, I was just thinking back, trying to scramble my brain, but yeah, you know, and that's his, it, it was good to get him in that role on Sunday, I thought, because you never can have too many uh, starting pitchers or pitchers with that experience, but you, you're, you know, you don't know what's going on with Maldonado, with the uh, the oblique, you um, that's something that you got to be careful with and you can't rush. Uh, so th- they've got some options. I think some guys are feeling, you know, Berkwich looks like he's a one-inning max, two-inning guy, get a left-handed hitter out here and there, and he does. he's doing it really well. Um, Schultz has kind of fallen into that role where he could be a multiple-game guy. He's not an overpowering, uh, you know, closer. He throws the ball hard. Uh, I don't know if his stuff is is as good as what Maldonado was last year. And then to me, though, you know, you just forget about Christian Little somewhat. That here's a guy, the way he threw last year in the SEC tournament, that everybody harkens back to, and their memory of what he could be. And he's they're kind of giving him here and there an inning inning or two, and 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 he's the guy that I think would be called on later on in the year to take over a role like that and you just forget i mean here's this super talented guy who's just 18 years old as a sophomore and 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 so the multitude of arms as you go down the list it's just incredible there's some really talented arms and guys who can get the shot but um will i you know do i think hunter owen is the sunday starter in mid-april i don't know i I really can't say that kind of say no but uh, that's just my guess. I think Hunter can be used, and and you look at what he's done on the on 27 strikeouts in 17 innings. Uh, that's an, that's outstanding. But I don't know if it's uh, you know if, if you're using staff, if you're going staff philosophy, and they had they had everything at their disposal, Chris Sunday, they could use whoever they wanted to, and it was almost like they knew they were probably going to go staff on Sunday. So there's a multitude of options, but. Um, if you ask me, I don't think Hunter would be the starter in late April if he's the third starter. Wouldn't surprise me. And if it if he's doing well, you could do that three or four innings on Sunday, but something tells me um it's fifty fifty on that.
1: Do you want to hear something crazy? Um I'm gonna see if you can get this. Pitchers who've got over five innings on this staff this year, who's got the highest strikeout rate? Strikeout rate being uh, the percentage of hitters that you have faced that you have struck out.
0: Uh, not Holton. Well, I mean, is it Holton? Or is no, he's,
1: he's second.
0: Is it Hunter Owen? I mean, he's, no. Uh, let's see here. Hmm. Who is it?
1: Thomas Schultz.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's right. I mean, he's, his numbers are impressive. 15, uh, 15 strikeouts and, and, uh, nine, nine and two thirds. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I
1: keep thinking he's not the guy. But he may, he may be the guy.
0: Well, Tim is you, you can tell um, in, in watching Tim following him, um, knowing him, that he, he's not quick to give out praise. I mean, he does it uh, just enough to keep guys. He knows how to push the buttons of certain guys and who needs the praise and who doesn't who doesn't really it doesn't matter one way or another. but I think he's been very intentional in his praise on thomas schultz i think he mentioned that in the last time he was out that how proud he was of him that he's come a long way that he's a fighter and um, i don't know if you picked up on that or not but I, I think he's been very intentional uh to him as far as how that kid has progressed
1: do you want to take a little detour here for a second let's go i wish to god they could have played the whole 2020 season <laughs> Because yeah. the the pitching on that team was ludicrous. Schultz was throwing really well. Doolin was throwing okay. Laboki was phenomenal. You had Hickman. You had Rocker. <laughs> you, you had Leiter. You had um, Jake Eater. Yeah. You had uh, Brown Tyler Brown. And I'm yeah, sure I'm forgetting an, yeah. somebody like uh, McElvain. I, yeah, it was I almost think
0: too much pitching. You don't know who, well, how they would have gotten the innings. I know you don't can't have too much, but
1: but concern. look at look what they ran into last year where they didn't have enough arms. I think that I think if the 2020 season plays out, they end up winning another one. I think I so really too.
0: do. Yeah. And that's a shame. And it and it all like everything else with what happened with COVID and, and everything, um, it's almost like you just forget about that it's like it, it I, I couldn't tell you anything that happened um i can tell you about the 2019 season and i can tell you about last season but it's almost like that season didn't even get started to me i mean it just Chip, melds you know it doesn't if, even,
1: if that didn't end up being the best pitching staff in the history of college baseball i would like to know what would have been
0: yeah i mean it it was um it was a remarkable set of arms and stuff we'll never know you know I yeah mean, it's it's uh, but yeah that's a that's an interesting thought and um it just all came crashing down it's a shame but we move on and um but yeah that's just uh, that that whole the way it transpired and what those guys went through and and um it was uh glad we're past it hopefully for good
1: well and this one i think has got a chance to be pretty special in its own right um i don't know how much people are really watching Devin Futrell because he's pitching on weekdays. That kid's special, man. The, the velo, I know the velo doesn't make your eyes fall out, but he just got command of so many pitches. He can throw whatever at any point in the count, it seems like. That's just so tough to hit. And to see that out of a freshman, I mean, th- this kid's rare.
0: Yeah, the, and the way he throws his changeup is the thing that gets me – um How effectively, how often he can throw it with confidence, and once again, I'm going to say it. And if you're not a baseball guy who studies it um, all the time, his pace, the way that he and Carter Holton,
1: this this is a quick working staff. Like you you go to games this year, they don't drag. You're not sitting there going, "When's this thing going to be over?" I love the way that they pace. I just think it's so much easier to watch, and college baseball would just be so much better off if if everything flowed the way the games do when they pitch. Now, look, some of that is when they're not letting runners on base and and not everybody's going to be able to do it like they do it, but I'm like sometimes you're at these games, you're just like, man, when is this going to end and And these have not been that way this year,
0: yeah and and they and they'll be tested. They will be scouted. There will be there will be guys who will watch film on them, and they'll they'll instruct their hitters to you know. There's there's now I saw a guy the other night. Did you see the other night? Um, I don't know where the game is because I was following um, Slack. What's a big donkey uh, on Twitter?
1: Steven um, Shock,
0: <laughs> which again. <laughs> Uh, He fills up my Twitter line. I don't know what the guy does. uh, He's uh, he's got
1: a podcast with D1 now. Apparently, we got to get him on here. I was wondering when when somebody was going to grab him, but yeah, maybe we see. Maybe we just send a tweet
0: out there and just say, "Hey, man, do you want to get on our show? We can have him get on there." Because I'd love to have the guy. Because I think he he's willing to kind of do anything. But there was a guy in, in a game, and I forgot where it was. And he it was there were two strikes on him, and the batter. The batter was late getting into the box and the umpire called a strike on him. And it was strike three for a delay oh, of man. game. It's a delay of game penalty. And I don't know where to, of course, everybody was, the ump was showboating. The ump was all about him and making a big deal about it. But yeah, the, so, you know, you're going to have getting back to the point, you're going to have guys with Devin and Carter who are going to try to slow their pace down because they're going to say, look, this guy. The scouting report's going to be, if you're in the box, you better have two hands on the bat and ready to go because he's coming with it. Um, he's going to come to the plate with it. And and that can disrupt a hitter's timing. And and so that mind game that can happen. So there's going to be – I think that happened a little bit. Um, didn't that happen in Oklahoma State, I think, that they, they – Corbin said after the game that they kind of got into – he thought his pace got uh, disrupted a little bit, Carter Holden, at least –
1: yeah, uh, yeah, when, he sped up.
0: Yeah, so, um, so when you're trying to go fast and guys are are sitting there and they call time or they step out of the box, so that that, that can so that, that'll definitely be some times, and it'll be good to see. too, as we go to Columbia this weekend, you know, we played we played 20 games um, overall, and you know, 14 of them have been at home. But to go, and I was impressed with the Hawaii series, how their crowd their crowd was into it. Of course, there's, that is their pro team in Hawaii, sort of, um, baseball-wise. I mean, that's what they turn to. Um, but to go into these environments that Holton and these guys haven't been into, some of the young guys, uh, as far as SEC, these crowds that are going to be against them, that'll be a learning moment, too. We'll see how these guys react. I think already... We're, we've seen what we think is going to happen, but you just never know.
1: Well, I think one thing that that's big is that some of these guys, even though it didn't go so well last year, pitched on that huge stage in Omaha, and they're basically pitching road games. Um, and I think once you've gone through that a couple of times, and it was Owen and Riley and Little, and I think just the benefit of having that experience you would think would help.
0: Oh, yeah, and even Christian Little – you know, he was 17 at the time and was pitching in Omaha uh, and um, got that experience. Didn't do that great uh, comparatively. You know, he, he, he uh, I don't think there was anything. I think Mississippi State and 19,000 other people that were there pulling for them or however many there were, maybe 20,000. Uh, it felt like 100,000. Uh, but, um, you know, so he's got, even he got that experience and, and maybe not pitching, like you said, that they did great that well but they've got that behind them and they've seen that and experienced it uh and been in that environment sneaky little storyline
1: here brett hansen started to become a little bit more a part of things
0: yeah and and uh you know you wonder i mean he got he got himself two innings he he's he's just an unknown still. I don't, I don't know how often they're going to throw him out there, but they are guys like that. You know, there there's, you know, Jack Anderson's started, you know, he, there was something, I think you asked him in the post game about, did you see something in he didn't like? Cause he was getting the ball. He was getting throughout, you know, he'd been in six games up to the Missouri game. He'd been in five and only four and two thirds, but he was getting some the ball in some key situations and and uh, you know he's an experienced guy. He's a, played at Princeton for several years and one of their be- better pitchers. so there are guys on this staff up and down that when they get their chance they're they're gonna be called upon and and some of them the leash is going to be a little shorter than others, but um he's one that you know it doesn't hurt. I mean, Hanson's an older guy, right for i mean w- what's his age?
1: Hansen. Came in as a freshman when he should have been a junior by age. Right.
0: Yeah, because he did, did his Mormon mission. So, um, so yeah. I mean, you know, maturity wise, you can be 22 year old sophomore or whatever, and and you've been through some life experiences. Those things I know. Those Mormon missions can be life changing, and you go through a lot and and see a lot. But it's not the same. Still, you got you got to be out on the mound in front of eleven thousand people. We were who are uh, encouraging to do poorly, encouraging you to do poorly. So, uh, But there is something to be said about being an older soul kind of guy and, and have that experience. We'll just have to watch and see how that works and see if they can work him in, meaning Hanson, if they work him in a little bit more.
1: Well, back to the Anderson question that I asked Tim, he said the reason they pulled him mid-count was they wanted a ground ball. Well, I'm, I'm looking at it now. Guess who's got the highest ground ball percentage on the team? Schultz. Schultz. I yeah, mean, yeah. basically, what would it be? 73% of the hitters he's faced have either struck out or grounded out.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, so that's that's pretty strong. Actually, of, of any innings, the, the highest ground ball percentage is Hanson. So, um, you know, keep that in mind, especially if they need a, a ground ball lefty. Although, Berkowitz is, is pretty – Pretty ground ball heavy, too. I mean, yeah, look Chip, yeah. they they've just they've got options everywhere you look. you know yeah. and and here we are with Christian little in the background too. And you know if, if that pops, then God help you facing these
0: guys. if Christian little and I texted you this the other day at the game, if Christian little can figure out uh, the stretch position uh, compared to the windup, he's such a different pitcher to me in the windup than he is in the stretch. Yeah. Uh, I wish there was a way to figure that out over the course of his two years, one and a half years, one and a quarter years that he's been pitching at Vanderbilt, what the stats are. But he gets run on a lot in the stretch. Um, it's not something like I'm telling everyone out here that they don't know, that Brownie doesn't know. Um, but he gets run on a lot. His kick is high. He, he um, uh, But in the windup, he's a beast. I mean, he's It's almost like his – demeanor out there from the windup is totally different than it is from the stretch and his velocity as well and if they can figure that out uh he he's going to be dangerous. he's dangerous now you just there you can tell they're giving him a little some breadcrumbs get an inning get two innings get some confidence the stretch this thing out because i still think they uh, believe in him and they haven't lost confidence in him it's just it's just a matter of the guys just—I did not know—I yo- did not know that he's still the youngest player on the team. Did you know that? Still, yeah, he as a sophomore.
1: That's crazy.
0: So I don't think he turns uh, nineteen until June or July. So uh, you know, that's something to be—you know—that's just a something to remember, keep remembering. I don't care how talented you are, you—you you still have, have only been here on the earth so many days to mature and go through life experiences. So, uh, again, it, finishing up on him, if, if he can figure that out, um, then I think uh, – you know, because he's almost – He if he did figure it out, maybe he could be a closer as hard as he throws, inning yeah. or two. But, but I just don't know if they – if if from the stretch position, um, they're willing to do that right now.
1: They're pitching staff next year, presuming no injuries or whatever. Holton – Patrick Riley, Hunter Owen, Futrell, uh, Little, Grayson Moore, Bryce Cunningham, <laughs> Perquich Hansen. Uh, you know, then you got the other guys, Grayson Carter, Ginther, Bradley, Evans, one of those guys will step up. And that that's just in addition to whoever shows up from the freshman hmm. class.
0: Right, right. It's just an excess of riches. You just gotta keep going. So
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like the way this is going because all of a sudden you've got a lineup that you look at and you're like experience, 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 just all over the field, um, and, and in this pitching, I just, I just think they're going to be really tough to beat.
0: Yeah, and and one thing that uh, I was going to ask you, your comment about, you know, you, um, I know that Parker Nolan was a guy who was, you know, the, the, I'm not saying the third base position was his to lose because Davis Diaz took it over pretty quick, but. That kid, when he gets his, when he when he hits the ball on the screws, he he's. I know he's only batting two twenty two, but I think the talent is there. And, and I'm just looking, changing the subject a little bit. But as far as guys who, is is there a Vaz on this team? Is there a you know you got Laniv lurking back there? He's hitting one eighty eight. But is there a guy on the on the non starters who could bust out? Uh, I don't know what you think of that, but there's. Looking up and down there, uh, there's some still some talented kids who who are waiting to get at bats, and you know, it, what do you th- do? You think that there's a guy out there in in that mold of that to come
1: um, in? Um, and- I suspect this is their nine, and right. this, this let me let me just go every position on the field. They're not moving Carter Young off short, nor should they, or out of the lineup. Davis Diaz is playing. Major league caliber defense at third right now. Um, Colwick is going to be in there. I, I think there's, you know, some, I could say defensive lapses. There, there's just a lot of times that there's a ball you think he's going to get to that he doesn't. Um, and maybe it's just a, a fluke, but they love Tate. Tate's really, you know, really got a lot of pop. Um, you're not taking him out. Keegan's going to be in there somewhere. Uh, Keegan's having an elite offensive season and and really, I think, gotten better in terms of about not chasing. But again, we're about to see it get tougher. Um, Bulger, he's stuck with this long, and you want to you want to stick it out a little bit more after what you saw yesterday. Um, Jones didn't go anywhere and right. He's maybe the most talented player on that offense Um, I don't know that it's all going to end that way this year but but he probably is Uh, Bradfield's going nowhere and I I don't think Vaz is going anywhere and 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 nor should he I just I love his approach he's Vaz is that guy that like I'm always thinking okay you got bases loaded or you know in one out or whatever he's that guy that always went up there just because he's so good with making contact and taking walks and and not chasing a bad pitch. I mean, yeah, I think you'd love to see Nolan get another shot somewhere. And the thing that I like about Parker is, is he can go to different parts of the field, and I think that that's going to serve him sometimes. But I just don't see a, a spot right now for him. And, and And probably that changes with injury at some point. Somebody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess he's. I would think he's going to get the first crack at, at going back in. Uh, I, I guess the wild card would be Cassis, but Cassis to me just looks like a a, a big, big time talented hitter. Oh, there's Vastine too. That's uh, another guy we've kind of forgotten. I my my sense is Cassis, um I'm not going to say has won that job, but he might be tough to dislodge right now.
0: Well, you look at who's played. Uh, of of the non of the starters who were against in Belmont Cassis has played in 13 games and Nolan has played in 15 of the of the 19 and then there's a drop off after that so those two guys seem like they're the ones who are um, getting the the second chance the, the next tier and they're getting their shot um, uh, you know Laneve has played in 9 games Vastine's played in 9 games and then there's a and then McKenzie but after that there's kind of a A drop off. So, I I don't think that we're not going to fool anybody to think that Vanderbilt's going to go throughout the year without having an injury. I mean, look what it happens every year. Somebody's going to get banged up. We hope not, but you saw what happened with Carter Young last year, and he had players step up. But uh, this team looks like, you know, I I think that uh, going back to Colwick, Colwick's really changed his body. I mean, that kid has gotten stronger. Uh, a lot of work in the weight room, I'm sure he just looks different. Uh, several of the players look like that just look uh, uh, like they bulked up and gotten stronger. So if an injury does happen, you know there there' definitely four or five guys in there that could step up and and pick up the slack. But as you I, I agree with your comment. I think that they're pretty much settled on the nine, but there's some there's some questions as far as first base, long term. And uh, the DH, I said that two weeks ago, first base. And he, if, if Bulger's going to be able to hit when he doesn't catch, if they're going to st- or try something else.
1: Any other baseball-related thoughts?
0: Baseball-related thoughts. Um, yeah, I've got one. I'll toss this out here because <clears throat> I've heard it talked about. Um, I'm a person of free market, believes in free market enterprise. I know there's some people who do not um, for whatever reason. But have you seen – the prices, the ticket prices at the Hawk for some of these games that are on StubHub?
1: Uh, and, no, fortunately, I'm not ever looking there because well, I'm you, never never buying. Now, my family is on occasion, although that hasn't been the case this year. Well, so, no, I, I have I just, not. Like, I'm, I, I'm guessing the Tennessee series is crazy.
0: Well, yeah, and, and and uh, you know, it's supply and demand, which I got a D- minus at Vanderbilt uh, uh, when I took that my sophomore year. I don't know why I took it, but – I do remember supply and demand, and when you only have 2,800 tickets or whatever we got, what's the capacity? If you, uh, is it 2,800 or so, 3,000? 3, it's
1: 3,700.
0: Oh, really? That yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, it's been right, that for expanded, years. Okay, they expanded the outfield. I just, for some reason, I had 2,800. Uh, so you got 30, so, you know, and you're playing well. You won a couple World Series titles, and you've won uh, – you know, 17, 18 games in a row and things are going well. And then you've got a team like Tennessee who um, is rolling in here. And the only way those guys can get into the ballpark is when, the, you know, they buy stub-up tickets or whatever. They're not going to be selling those things. Uh, and, you know, the, as the season tickets in the bowl are sold out. I don't think you can get them in the outfield. But there are tickets on there for $500 a piece.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Um, that's sold behind home plate. Uh, for Saturday and Friday and Saturday's games so we're talking um you know and I'm sure they're if I had to guess I think they'd be Tennessee fans who were buying them because you know they're uh all the success they have but I mean there's tickets for Wagner and that were going for for the army I mean 75 bucks a piece for those games I mean you got to check it out I know it's You've got your. But y- you know shows, what's
1: you know what's frustrating to watch. Go ahead. Let me let you finish.
0: No, but it's just it shows you, uh, you know, when there's very few limited there's limited tickets available for a, a team that's successful, and I've read in the, in the media that concert tickets are going for record numbers. You know, these tours are finally out because of COVID, and and you've got people buying tickets, and the secondary market is exploding because uh, people want to get out of the house but I just never thought that Vanderbilt baseball game against the SEC team would be getting $500 a ticket um, ever. I mean, it used to be when I played and I'm dating myself, we had a, a schedule card with you punched a little foldable field and you punched the number, the guy at the gate, um, and it was like 75 bucks for the season ticket. I know <laughs> it's changed a lot, but I'm just saying I don't know if any any, you know, I don't know what Ole Miss, I know they go for it pretty expensive down there, uh, the, but that just is amazing. And it shows you how SEC baseball has exploded, um, continues to grow that the prices would be that much. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, um, pretty amazing that it'll happen. And, and I don't know if it'll ever, you know, people want to go see good baseball and they want to see a, a you know, national teams come in here like they are. And, and, uh, you got a family four. Somebody spending two thousand dollars for at four tickets for one game. Um, that's just that that's amazing to me. And again, I you know some people are against it. I think uh, I read a tweet somewhere a couple weeks ago where they were appealing to the Vanderbilt ticket office or the uh, to the athletic director Candace Story. You got to do something about this. I don't know what you can do. I don't. I mean, I don't know the can. They, you know there's nobody out there who's i mean it's it's if you got season tickets i know they're trying to say the common fan doesn't get to see the game but i, I until they add more seats to that stadium and balance things out i don't know what what the answer is but uh
1: well so. the problem as i see it is you have a lot of people with more money than they know what to do with that buy up those those rows behind home plate those sections it's it's half full at best they don't make any noise and if you're one of those people that's got those seats, you're not showing up, sell them or give them away to somebody. They're people that want the park that can't get in. I just I don't like seeing that Every time you turn on the TV and and you see the first few rows, it's it's Maggie Corbin and you know, a, a guy with a radar gun. I just right. think it's a bad look for the program,
0: yeah, and and there have been some things that I know um. I was involved in, and when Tim came on like year six or seven, the, the champion circle before that was started, we talked about some different things. And I think they instituted what LSU does, where LSU uh, will let people come in in like the second or third inning, they'll sell them general admission tickets and they'll eyeball uh, the tickets and say, all right, we got, looks like we got a hundred tickets open and they'll sell those. And so they're double selling the seat. And yeah. you have to move if if the original ticket owner comes in the third inning, you got to leave. But at least they're getting people on the stand. So I, I do get your point, and I agree. There's some people over there who have season tickets who maybe go to five games a year. I got a buddy of mine in Memphis who who who, who played with played with me, and he bought season tickets, and he really buys them to get so he can get regional tickets. Um, so he you know, but he he'll send them to people, he'll sell them, transfer them, whatever, but not all the time. So it's it's a thing that I yeah, you want the true fans to 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 get there and to be there. I'm not saying when I say supply and demand deal with it. I'm not really saying deal with it, but I'm just saying it's what remarkable to me that and we'll see how we we'll follow it when the the big teams roll in here. I think it'll be pretty packed out. Uh and yeah. and you'll see that.
1: I do too. They they need to put a deck over the infield. Just for a number of reasons, but that would you know, Yeah, then you could I I'm worried you know, is a is a father of two, and I mean, we we like to go to games and stuff. It's just tickets for anything are getting so expensive,
0: right? Um, Braves, I mean, Braves. Tickets yeah, I mean, are, it's
1: it's ridiculous.
0: I, I don't the know third baseline in the second deck, and I think the tickets were it was last year, two years ago. It was two years ago. They were two hundred and twenty dollars a piece. You know, and 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 that's that's a lot of money. You, then you, the food is jacked up, and you
1: don't and you don't grow the game that way right right i mean i grew up my best memory as a kid going to the ballpark with my dad price you know no it was different but you know we didn't have pro sports but price was not an obstacle and i got to got to love baseball that way i'm just not sure and this is at all levels um that that's going to happen in the way it did for you and i
0: yeah well it um I think there's some games, some series that's coming up. That UT UT series, and I don't want to look ahead, but that's going to be um, one that will be um, gain the national spotlight. And and uh, really, hopefully, the weather will be good. You know, sometimes it can be iffy in April. And uh, really see uh, how that thing can get packed out because I know Tim will be. That's a game that UT is going to be pointing to. Depending on how they do this weekend, and if they're coming in here on a roll, I think that that will get some national exposure. But there's several of those coming up. uh, Several of those coming up in the the schedule.
1: I'm I'm saving my thoughts for next week because I want to ration them on that. But that that's going to be
0: wild. Um,
1: Thoughts on the logo? Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, you know, uh, I um I really (laughs) like the star V. and I really haven't seen any, any, uh, you know, you're going to see if you see whether it's your board to categorize your board as being diehard Vanderbilt fans and long-term there's some, maybe some people who are just joining the fray, but you got a lot of guys who've suffered through a lot and you've seen it. And, and, um, so you're not, I don't, I don't think I've seen anything on there on your board. I just kind of I was trolling around there today, and I didn't see anybody who liked it. I didn't. I haven't seen one person who's liked it. No. And I don't know if that's just the sample size of, like I said, of um, of people who are on your board or people on Twitter or whatever. Um, you know, when it, it just it seems a little Missouriish. The font. And
1: of yes, course my, I thought about that too,
0: which I hate.
1: Oh, Missouri's Missouri. Missouri's is awful.
0: And my son even said, "Hey, Dad, why do those? Why does Missouri have that?" why do their numbers look like that? You know, it's almost like a Tron, that computer game that you, I, that, you remember, I'm dating myself yes. there. You remember that? Yes. that futuristic font? So I, I don't know. I'm I'm more of a, um, whatever it is, I'd, I'd really like some consistency and stick with it and quit changing, um, you know, quit changing fonts and logos and jerseys and shades and, but, I mean, they've gone all in on it. I mean, you go on the website and the logo. They even had the logo. and you notice, my son's very observant, both of them, 12 years old and nine years old. He looks at the game last night against Dayton, and he said, Dad, they have the new logo on the scoreboard at Dayton. Oh, uh, boy. He saw it on television. They had it, you know, I guess the NIT information. So they already had it out there. So this is something that's been in the can for a long time, and they've just popped it out. Um uh, it needed to
1: stay in the can
0: <laughs> <laughs> right so i i just want some consistency and and uh, you know if you win people like the logo if it's whatever i saw brandon Barca commented it on today on twitter i happened to see that the the former media was he media um what was he in the uh yeah I, Bar-
1: athletics Barka, man i love that yeah, guy the hot great dog,
0: dude the hot dog man um yeah. dressed up in the Sot dog suit i loved him when he did that he was like yeah. a, and that was not his personality
1: no I mean, not not at all not I mean, at all was
0: not, like that that was the greatest <laughs> thing about that because i spent some time with him at the regional several years ago in charlottesville when we went up there and and we were at a restaurant we hung out with him a little bit and just quiet guy i mean just you know very quiet not
1: okay can it kind of interrupt yeah they, they had money to pay somebody for a new logo they didn't need to design this for two years, I lost Sparka because they they couldn't just pay him a decent wage
0: yeah I know I, they just I
1: know. this is I've, I've tried to keep my mouth shut lately just because it's just always low-hanging fruit and I think it just wears everybody out including me but I mean the, the day they released the, the logo like I, w- I would say you tell me if I'm wrong, chip. there are two things that Vanderbilt fans agree on. One, the baseball program's headed in a pretty good direction and has been pretty good for a while. And two, the Star-V was great. Mm -hmm. And you you got – on the day Tennessee pays $8 million to to sign a five-star quarterback, Vandy's out changing the logo.
0: Yeah, I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree. I just – I'm just a uh, and, and someone sent me a um, text and it had there's some site out there and you can go to all the different logos throughout the yeah. years. You know, it's almost like the, you've seen the one where it's like helmet. It shows all the different helmets from the last hundred years, and it shows a picture of it. And it, and it, and it just we've had so many and and logos and the we we call that uh, Luke Wyatt. Uh, who I who was the equipment manager? I know you know Luke well. Luke Luke was I saw Luke at the basketball game, and I asked him. Uh, I said, uh, Luke, I ran into a guy who they got their jersey when and and the a guy I played with, and apparently I missed the sale. They had a sale where they sold a bunch of jerseys and stuff. And I said, man, I wish I would have known that. I said the because um, I would have gotten my flying V jersey we call it the oh flying. the the
1: uh the mid 80s the yeah.
0: cm newton era the flying v it was vandy and it had the star the flying star with the little uh marks coming off of it like it was shooting through the universe uh, which was one of the worst logos and then the other than the Vanderbilt v with the person with the soul
1: helmets were awful so yeah Um,
0: there's so much you could say the the
1: star v is such a good look man i mean look i know i know they're listening and let me just tell you if you guys want to make a slam dunk good decision and i don't care how much you have to tuck your tail just can it go back to the star v if you want a small win um take the the what people are calling the chubby V and put it on the star but don't 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 make it oversized you know make it a little I don't know just just take what you had that worked and and take your loss and go home. I don't yeah. care what money you spent. Like this this is an easy one, Jip.
0: It's it not hard. Off. Did you see the I mean on the press release I mean it's not like they just came up with this. Chris, they had the colors. You know how UT has a specific orange where it's not, you know, you can, there's a UT orange and it's a, it's a, there's a number for it. And it's got this much orange and a dot of white. In Pan, the
1: Pantone and hex colors. And, and I will give them, I, I will say this, that's a good step. Pick yeah, your mind. colors, stick with them. That, that's, that was the one good part of this. But the, the the logo, I just think when, when everybody has the same reaction, no, you're not smarter than everybody else. You're just wrong.
0: Well, the, as I told you before, we and we can end it on this because we'll be here till nightfall. But I mean, are we not going to be able to wear? If you're really going to brand it, is, does that mean the old school? Because I think the Vanderbilt, um, the Vanderbilt uniforms they wore last night, um, the the old school is their best look. And I heard they had a black version of that, a black jersey. I saw a picture of it.
1: Oh, I think those are cool-looking uniforms, the old Perry Wallace look. Yeah, the Perry Wallace. I I like them. They've they've done some good things here recently. Like, I thought that their football uniforms under James Franklin were the best ones I've seen. That's not that far in the rearview mirror. Um I didn't mind a lot of the uniforms I had for football last year. Now I hated taking the Star V away. But like they're making some progress with these things. But see now here's the thing, Chip. If you go with that, now you gotta go and you gotta sand that off Memorial Gyms floor. Mm -hmm. You gotta replace all the, the uniform. I'm like, you're just gonna throw bad money after bad money. And you could use it for Hey, take take the money and put a second deck over the infield. I mean, <laughs> well, do do something with it, but don't do this.
0: But I mean, yeah. And then are the throwback uniforms out for baseball? Is the, are the um, uh, friends of mine jokingly from other schools call them the prison uniforms that they wear on Friday night in baseball? The black yeah. and stripes are are those gone? Because that's now been,
1: I'm like, I'm, not, I'm not as crazy about the uniforms as some of the people are, but it's become kind of an iconic thing, and I get it. Now, the, the right. one thing that I've always hated about the baseball uniforms is I I did not understand why the star V is not on the hat. I've I've always hated the block V. I hated the old one. I don't like the one they have now. That's one thing that I think they've missed something. It's again for a school you cannot use the word iconic very often. It's iconic. It's great design. It is simple. The color scheme's great. Um, I'm, I'm just, I think everybody was forward and I am too.
0: Yeah, it, we'll see how that goes. Um, if there's enough backlash or if there's, st- right now they seem like they're settled on it uh, all in. But um, again, I haven't seen many people say, what a great looking, uh, I mean, you know, um, what a great looking change. No, now, nobody I mean, has said that.
1: Yeah. Nobody <laughs> right. has said
0: that. That's right. That's right. Um, well, let me tell you about the real estate business. Uh, and it's crazy, Chris. Um, at Frederick Clark Realty, my company uh, that I own with my brother, we've been around since 1961 as, as far as a company. We got two offices. But the real estate market, it it remains hot. It, there's not a lot of inventory out there. There's a great article in the National Business Journal that I saw this week. And if you get a chance, if you subscribed to that, if you're a listener, It talks about buying a home in 2011 versus buying a home in 2022, what that was like, the differences between buying now and and buying then, and it's just a whole different ballgame. And they lay out the steps that you had to do in 2011 versus all the things you had to do, six or seven steps, and being not just a a pre pre pre-qualify letter. you got to have a pre-approval letter and the hoops that you have to jump through in order to be considered when you make a purchase offer on a house. What does that have to do with our company? We have over 180 agents who know how to get that done for you, who know how to play the game, who know, have the contacts in this area. You can't be an amateur and go out there by yourself and do it if you're on the buy buy side, and the sell side as well. So our agents are professional, they do it for a living, they're not part-timers, we have the experience and with inventories being as low as it is now, you need that person to that professional advocate to work for you and to uh, get through the red tape. And that's where Frederick and Clark comes into play and 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 my promote our company and my brother and I's company. So look us on the web at frederickandclark.com. com. We've talked to some of the listeners of this podcast and have helped them uh, several too. Of have, have, have actually contacted nice. our and me and and. Um, and used our agents or said that they used one of our agents, so we appreciate that. But we're Vanderbilt folks. So if you're listening to this, you have a, um, an affinity for the Commodores, or so do we. And and uh, we've been around. My father played basketball there. I played baseball. So we're Vanderbilt people. So we'd love to help you out. It's a scary market out there. You're going to make a lot of money if you sell, but where are you going to go? And that's the problem. If you want to stay in this area, we can help you with all those uh, answers and be glad to. So 615-327-4800, You can ask for me, and love to help you through that process and 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 hold your hand and, and get the job done for you.
1: Should be a fun week of baseball ahead. Should be a really fun week next week as we'll talk about uh, Tennessee and, and a game with my alma mater Lipscomb in between. Uh, which, I, by the way, I love those games.
0: Yeah, they're they're At fun. First I like First Final
1: Horizon. I, I just that that's the first time we've gotten to go since twenty nineteen because of. Of weather and COVID. And, and man, that was just, I I just love being in that park. So,
0: yeah, glad that they uh, got to play over there. I, I wish people would have seen it, but I understand the situation. It's just staffing and, and, uh, um, yeah, you know, but, um, we'll, um, next week, hopefully the weather will work out for that game too.
1: Th- there were a lot of people there. There's a restaurant, uh, yeah. near the third base foul pole, and that, that porch was packed. That was a, that was heads up thinking by, uh, I don't know if it was just people there eating anyway, yeah. or Vanderbilt fans, but that was a that was a really cool view of the game yesterday.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, well, all, right. Job. Chip, all right, Chip. We'll Chris. see you next week. Okay, man. Take care.